0: Hey, friend. Before we get to the episode, I have a free gift for you today. Do you want to start a podcast but maybe you feel like it's probably too expensive, it's too confusing, and too time consuming? Well, you need my podcast equipment guide. It's the five things I could not record my podcast without, and they all cost less than $100. I'll talk to you with direct links of what to buy about the physical podcast equipment, podcasting softwares, hosting, and more, all in this free guide. It's everything you need to feel ready to start a podcast today. So go get it at Now here's the episode. Hey guys, I'm Elizabeth McCravey, a website designer and business coach for entrepreneurs and your host for the breakthrough brand podcast, the show that's all about pulling back the curtain on how to actually build a successful business. I don't skim the surface around here. If you want a deep dive into the nitty gritty details of what it takes to run a successful business and stand out in a crowd, you're in the right place. After creating a multiple six-figure-a-year website design business in my 20s, I'm ready to share everything I've learned and everything I'm still learning because I believe the keys to building a thriving business should never be a secret. Here you'll find episodes that are actionable, direct, and fun, like French chatting business over coffee and a fresh, honest take on the reality of being an entrepreneur. If you're ready to master online marketing, branding, website design, mindset, and business strategy, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to build your breakthrough brand. Let's do this. The missing piece to your business's success is our topic for the day, and I think you guys are going to seriously love this. So I'm chatting with Megan Hyatt Miller. She's the president and CEO of Full Focus, formerly known as Michael Hyatt & Company, which we're going to talk about their rebrand towards the end of this episode, which is super interesting. So stay tuned for that. Megan is a mom of five. She's a wife. She's a Christian, and she actually lives in Franklin, Tennessee, like me. Uh, about a 10 minute drive from me. So that's really fun talking about Franklin stuff a little bit before we were recording. And today we're talking about the power of our brain in our business's success or lack of success, and how to really grow your business uh, and change your life through the stories you're telling yourself about your experiences. It's powerful. The stuff she's talking about is really powerful. And I just personally love, love this topic. I love the topic of growth and business and success and all that. So some things we talked about today to give a little bit of a spoiler. We first talk about what her days are like as a working mom and CEO. And we talk a bit about how she doesn't work nine to five and how she actually cuts her days short at three o'clock to be a present wife and mom and like how she's managed that um, and made that like kind of a rule for herself, which is really interesting. We talk about the stories we tell ourselves as business owners and really dive into changing that. Uh, And I'll, I'll leave that part for you guys to hear. But that's that's a really large part of our conversation. So interesting. We talk about team culture. So she's built an incredible team culture at Full Focus and her advice on that and how to really keep your team active and feeling engaged in the mission of your company. We talk about the rebrand of Full Focus. So if you're like thinking about rebranding your business um, and changing your name and all that, uh, that will be an interesting part of the conversation for you and so many other little tidbits throughout. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Megan. And without further ado, here's that interview. All right, guys, I am thrilled to be welcoming Megan Hyatt Miller to the Breakthrough Brand podcast. And today we're talking about, and Megan, I didn't even tell you the title I had in mind, but the missing piece to success in your business, which is not going to be some cool social media trick, not another, you know, funnel for your marketing, not even hiring the right person, but something else entirely. And Megan's going to unpack it for us. And yeah, I'm thrilled to learn from you today. Um, So yeah, welcome to the podcast. And if you don't mind sharing um, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about you and your family.
1: Well, Elizabeth, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you guys today. As you said, um, I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. I am the CEO of Full Focus, and we are a goal achievement company in Franklin, Tennessee. So you and I are, are close neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're about 10 <laughs> minutes apart, we found out. And we really help both individuals and teams, including small business owners, to close the gap between where they are and what they want to achieve, both in their uh, personal life and in their professional life. And so we do that through our coaching. Uh, we have a coaching program for small business owners. And we also do that through our uh, full focus planner, which is a 90 day planner um, that sold more than a million copies. So that that helps people in a really practical way, connect their annual goals to their daily action. So we love that. We're also really passionate at full focus. And this is kind of lead in a little bit to my, my personal story. We're really passionate about something that we call the double win, which is winning at work and succeeding at life. Um, You know, I'm a mom of five kids in addition to being a CEO. And I, I really care a lot about having the margin that I need in my business financially. And I also care about having the margin that I need, not financial margin necessarily, although obviously that's important, but at the personal level, the time margin I need to give attention to the things that really matter to me outside of work, most importantly, my husband and kids, and then taking care of my health. You know, we. We really want to help people discover a path to have that kind of success that's full orbed.
0: Yeah. And people who listen to the podcast for a while know that I'm like a huge full focus planner person. Yeah, well so, and I love to the mission you said of like winning at work and succeeding in life too. And like yes. how all that connects. Mm-hmm. And like, I was telling you before that, like you're, you're like the years ahead of me in mom life and yeah. <laughs> in business life and all the things, but it's so cool that you, you are the CEO of an awesome company um, that we all love. And then also mom of five and a wife, like, I know every week's so different, especially like with right now, you doing everything with the book, but like, what would you say a day is like for you? Like, are you working from home? Are you in the office? Are you in a lot more meetings? Like when is family time? Like, What does this life look
1: like? That's a great question. Well, um, I generally go to work at nine in the morning and I have an office in my home, which probably about one day a week I work out of. Wednesdays is typically our no meeting day when we're not in uh, book promotion season. And so that would be like a day that I might stay home. Um We also have an office, which is primarily a co-working space, but I have a a nice private office here as well. And so I'll come to the office probably four days a week. And I work from nine to three most days. Um, that's actually something that I started many, many years ago when my kids were young. I just, I decided I needed to have a hard stop at three. And you know, one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is you can make some of those choices, you know, that w- might be more difficult if you had less autonomy. So I love, I love that because a couple of my kids have some special needs. And when they were little, it was really important to me to be able to be the one to pick them up from school, to be home with them after school, to do some of the therapies and things that they needed. They're older now. The kids that were young then, I, I do have a three-year-old. It's my youngest now, um, but I still want to be home and present about from three o'clock on. And so we'll do, you know, homework at the kitchen island like everybody else is doing at that time of day if you have school-age kids, and then we're. Having dinner as a family really is important to me to try to sit down at the table. You know, like last night that looked like ordering pizza because I had a crazy day. But still, like I just want to sit across from the kids and hear about their day and have those memories. So that's kind of a typical day. You know, I'm getting up in the morning, I should have said, and exercising and doing kind of a quiet time. I'm a a committed Christian. And so that's an important part of my day. And then I'm getting my full focus planner out and I'm planning, planning the day. So that's kind of a little sketch.
0: That's cool. And I love what you're saying of like being able to stop work at three and yeah. come home, switch yes. gears. Do yes. you feel like you had to fight really hard for that schedule? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, of like, it's like, because being the CEO of this company, like, do you feel like it's like, no, we need you here. And it's hard to make that happen.
1: Well, no, actually I don't. For me, first of all, I started this many years ago before I was a CEO, when I was the COO of the company and my dad, Michael Hyatt, who's my business partner was in the CEO role. And when he asked me to step into that COO role, he said, you know, Hey, I want you to do this. I think it'll be great. You know, I think you're ready. And I was like, I think it would be great too, but I've got to put this constraint in place yeah, because I, I'm not willing to sacrifice my family's needs for the business. And he said, hey, if you can produce the results in that period of time, no problem. And so we kind of did it as an experiment. But then fast forward to 2020, we made that an option for our team as well. So our team works you know, kind of 30 to 40 hours a week in there and it fluctuates a little bit in, you know, depending on what's going on. But a lot of our team is also done at three. And, you know, it's interesting. We we have about 60, 65% women uh, in our company. And I think it's just because we're so family friendly um, yeah. that that's possible. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And I was telling you beforehand that I have a friend who works for you and he loves it there. And I can attest that like the the work-life balance stuff though I can like see that even in his life. So yeah, and I have some more questions for you that we can kind of come to at the end about team culture and stuff. Because I think there's so much to learn from you on that. Um, But yeah. Okay. Let's talk about though, the missing piece to success in our business, which we haven't said what it is yet, but mindset is like what we're talking about today, which which I think for some people can kind of be like, womp, womp. Like I've heard that before can even be the feel of that. Like I already know this, but I really just adore obsessed with the lens you Mm -hmm. guys are taking um, in the book, Mind Your Mindset around, how mindset impacts our success, um, because yes. success does start with our thinking, which if you guys are watching on YouTube, here's, um, Megan's new book, which is absolutely <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I want to know though, cause like, so we can use, you know, tools like full focus planner, we can buy really helpful business courses. We can listen to helpful podcasts, but then if we don't have our mindset checked in, if we have like what you call, you know, the narrator telling us like yeah. the wrong things to listen to, um, We can't win in our business or in our life, really. So, basically, though, I want to know to start. um, You know, the tagline of the book is The Science That Shows That Success Starts With Your Thinking. Like, let's dive into that. Um, Tell me more about that.
1: Well, this is really fun. This is a really fun book to write and to research for because you're right. There are a lot of people talking about mindset. And the reason that we decided that there needed to be another book on mindset is because it tends to be books that are, you know a little more psychological in nature or very densely scientific and you know where like you and I would feel like we probably needed some kind of a phd to be able to really understand what they were talking about and so we thought okay we want something that is absolutely evidence based because this can feel like it's at some some ways that it gets presented it's kind of like woo woo or you know like like the yeah. secret or something like that and and you know that didn't really resonate with us i mean we're really serious business people and we're coaching business owners and executives. And we just felt like we needed to do a better job of figuring out the science and making sure there was really backing for some of these ideas. And what we found is there absolutely is, as it turns out, um, you know, our brain is expert at interpreting the events of our life, you know, and, and probably the biggest idea in the book is that there's what happens to us, you know, the, the, facts of a situation, things you could read in a doctor's report or a police report, that kind of stuff. And then our brain takes those facts and it's trying to give meaning to them. It likes to have certainty. That's the the brain is all about safety and certainty. And so it gives us a story, you know, like maybe you had something happen in your business where your numbers were up by 25% one month and you got three new clients and the next month they were zero. Well, your brain is going to take the facts of those two uh, situations and try to say, "Well, what does that mean? Does that mean we have a recession? Does that mean your lead generation didn't work? Does that mean that um, you know, your clients don't like you anymore?" Like, you know, your brain is going to try to come up with something like that. And whatever the story is, and usually it's negative, um, when it first pops up again, because it's, your brain's trying to keep you out of danger. That story will drive the actions that you take and what your brain goes to work solving for. And then those actions will determine your results. And I think most of us, you know, I know the people listening to this podcast, I mean, you guys are high achievers, like you're trying to get stuff done in your businesses and your life. And, We are action people. We're like women who get stuff done, you know? And that's awesome, except that sometimes our actions are not delivering the results we want. And what we need to do is go further upstream and say, okay, I need to recalibrate this story so that I can have access to solutions, ideas, um, you know, actions that are going to ultimately get me somewhere different.
0: Yeah, I love that. And you're right about the action people. It's like, it can be so easy to like, and I do this in my business. Like I did this recently, even what you're describing, of like you see data, like the basic information like you're saying, like similar, to like a police report or something. Yeah. And then you're like, this means this. So I have right. to go do this and just rushing to it. Yep. Um. So you talk about in the book, the idea of the narrator yes. and how like us identifying the narrator is like really the first step into, you know, kind of solving this and taking better action in our mindset. What is the narrator, and like, how do you how do you? Find, I love also by the way, I love the uses of the narrator to describe this. It feels yeah. so like clear. But yes, dive into that
1: for us. Yeah, well, if you've ever felt like there was somebody talking into you to you in your head, you're not wrong. That's your <laughs> brain. Uh, your brain is constantly interpreting the events of your life, like I said a minute ago. And what we've done in the book Mind Your Mindset is to call that the narrator. You know, it really feels kind of like a character in your head. And the narrator is trying, uh, though not always effectively, to to help you out by keeping you safe and keeping you out of danger and uncertainty and all that kind of stuff. And for most of us, we never learned growing up that there's a difference between what happens and what we say about what happens, which we would call our stories. And this is a really powerful idea. It can be a little unsettling at first because you're like, oh, wait a second. Does this mean that, like, I can't know what's true? And we we cover that in the book. You know, we do believe in objective truth, you know, so it's not what we're saying. But there's so much of our life that actually is subjective that feels true, again, because our brain has this bias towards certainty and safety. And when we start realizing that the narrator is always going to serve up some kind of an explanation for why those things happened or are connected, then we can start to identify, okay, what's the fact part of that? And what's the story part of that? And is that story helping me get the results I want? Or is it actually holding me back? And there's so much power in that. And that's why the first step out of three that we talk about in the book is to identify your story. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even thinking about that,
0: of how you said that there's the, the facts of it and then what we say about it. Like people can all be in the exact same situation and have a different story, a different experience with it. And even at different points in your life, you might interpret that same experience differently. Yes, Um, Yeah. So that's the first step that you lay out is identifying the narrator and identifying the story. Is that what you said? Yeah. Identify the story. Mm -hmm. Identify the story. Yeah. So are you cool with walking through the steps? I'd yeah, like to go absolutely. Through them. Okay, yeah. yeah. What's the yeah, second yeah. step that Yeah, do? so
1: the second step is to interrogate the story. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was thinking of those <laughs> funny, like, old black and white movies where they're, like, down in a windowless basement, you yeah. know, the police officer and the, the single bright light bulb, you know. Um, but in a way, we want to do that with our own stories. And what I often say is we're not being judgmental, you know, when we interrogate it, because that, that image that I just gave, mm-hmm. you know, can feel a little harsh. We want to have a lot of self-compassion. If you are a person who has begun to notice, gosh, a lot of the interpretations of situations that I'm noticing when I go to identify are really negative. Like, is there something wrong with me? Am I just a negative person? Or I don't have a growth mindset or something. It's like your brain is not actually wired for the growth mindset. That's a choice. You know, when we want to Become open to possibility and get out of our comfort zone. That's an unnatural thing that we're doing that our brain doesn't really like a whole lot. And so you're always going to have that. You don't want to worry about the fact that it is negative. You just want to get curious about it. And so in the interrogation step, what we're trying to do is start to kind of shake loose the connective tissue between the facts and what we're saying about the facts, because then we start to realize, Oh, just because this feels true and feels like has, it has a lot of certainty to it. It doesn't actually mean that it is true. And so there might be other interpretations, you know, what could maybe some other interpretations be? If you were to ask your best friend, you know, tell her what you just experienced and say, like, how would you think about this? She might come up with some explanation because she doesn't have the same experiences in her past. That's completely different and way more helpful. Um, I was actually coaching a group through this yesterday and I had them go through an exercise of saying, "Okay, if that's your story, if that's what you believe about this group of people, what actions would you take? And they were like, well, we probably wouldn't... They were talking about a collaborative project that they were working on, And they were saying, well, we probably wouldn't be very respectful. We probably would look actively for the flaws and the solution that they were coming up with. We probably wouldn't really try and give it a fair shot what they came and presented to us. And it's so interesting because when you get clear on what the consequences are of this story driving your actions it really amps up your internal motivation to say, okay, now let's go on to the third step, was which is to imagine a better story, because we need access to different actions that are going to lead us to different results.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And when you talk through like with those steps in the action of doing them, like the interrogating, identifying, is that something that, you know, we sit down and journal about or yeah. go on a walk or process with someone? Like, what would you say yeah. is why you well, typically do it?
1: You know, Elizabeth, there are a lot of different ways that you can do this. And I think you'll find as you begin to try to build this skill that there are certain things that are going to work well for you and not others. And so you're just kind of yeah. looking for you in particular, what what's going to be a fit for you. I will often do this on a whiteboard. Like if I'm working with a group like I was yesterday and coaching a group, I will do this on a whiteboard. Um, I think it can be helpful to have somebody else involved if you are really dealing with something where you're stuck. And we might want to come back to this later, but I used to have a debilitating fear of public speaking that I chose to face head on. And it's actually a big reason we ended up writing this book because what came out of that story informs a lot of what we teach now. Um, but like that was too big for me to do on my own. And I pulled other people in. On the flip side, you know, one of the things that we offer people as a bonus when they buy this book, is, and we can talk about that later too, but is a self-coaching tool that's basically like a Mad Lib kind of form where you can print this out and you can walk yourself through this process. Um, so, there, you know, that's like the simplest version. And then pulling in other people would be like the most uh, robust version. And you could certainly use a journal or something like that. But part of, I think, however you do it, You want to get it out of your head. Just going through it in your head is not as helpful as putting it outside of yourself, literally and figuratively in some way, whether you're talking it out, whether you're writing it out or, you know, you've got somebody else helping you, a therapist or a coach or a friend or something like that. It's really good to get it just like outside of your head.
0: Yeah. Because, yeah, when it's just in your head, you almost can't even see like what is the story? What does that actually mean for me? And all that. And you also get back on the taking action too quickly. That's just in your head. You can almost just be like, all right, I thought about that for five minutes. Let me keep
1: going. Right. Uh, Well, and the thing you really don't want to do, and this is tempting uh, at the beginning of starting to build this skill set of self-awareness, is that you can be tempted to go from identifying your story to leapfrogging over the second step, which is interrogating your story just to the imagining part. And I think that, you know, we've all heard about like affirmations and that kind of a tool. And the problem with just using affirmations, like you just come up with a new, belief or a story that you're going to kind of repeat over and over to yourself is that if you don't interrogate the original story, your brain, it's like you've almost got to like convince your brain to take its like white knuckled fingers off of the story and you've got to shake it loose so that it can see that there's another option. And if you skip that middle step, your brain just kind of dismisses it. And you will find, at least in my experience as a coach and also with myself, that you, you know, you don't really get your brain on board in the way you need it in that scenario.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And I can see too, like you're saying that sometimes just saying like an affirmation of like, I am this. It's like, well, it doesn't really, it doesn't reach your core if you haven't thought through, yeah, identifying what the story is. Um, Exactly. Do you want to walk us through an example of this with your public speaking story? Because I'd love to hear that. And I think that's so relatable. And I also had a big public speaking fear yeah. um, at one point, so I would
1: love. Well, I love to talk about this because, uh, of course, this is the number one fear that every person in America slash the Western world has. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's so it's almost like silly. You know, Jerry Seinfeld has this joke that he says, um, you know, if you go to a funeral. People are so afraid of public speaking. They'd rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy. Oh gosh. Yeah. Really? That is hard. (laughs) I can relate to that because I'm like, yes, that's how I felt. When I was about, um, 16 or 17 years old, I was in high school and I had a friend who was delivering, um, a big presentation in front of, you know, 50 people or something. And she got extremely nervous, basically, you know, had a panic attack, ran out of the room crying. I found her in the bathroom, just, you know, tear streaming down her face and unconsciously I developed a story at that time because part of what your brain is doing is it's using your past experiences to try to safely predict what's coming in the future so you can avoid danger. And my brain got this story that speaking was dangerous, that it could definitely lead to public humiliation and losing control of my body, which just sounded like the worst thing I could possibly imagine. And so, you know, I'm a teenager at this point, but I fast forward into my 20s I'm building my career into my early 30s. And I all through that time, I mean, it got to the point where I could not read like Bible passages or book passages in a small group that I was in, I would pass to the next person. I avoided all kinds of professional opportunities where I might have to speak in any way, like to a board, um, to, you know, to give a presentation to some kind of group of stakeholders. I mean, not talking like speaking, speaking on stage, like just talking out loud and up in front of people was terrifying to me. And so, um, it got to the point I was, I was working in our business, And nobody knew about this, by the way, Elizabeth, this was like Mm -hmm. top secret. My husband knew, not my, not even my dad knew and came to the point where I'm now COO. Our team says, Hey, I want to do this live event. Um, we're going to, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have 800 people. And it's so funny. You've never keynoted before. I think you should, (laughs) you should do a keynote. And inside I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to literally die, but I can't say no. Or I like kind of have to walk away from my career at this point. And so um I I was on a business trip shortly thereafter and I'm sitting in the gate at in Chicago at American Airlines tears streaming down my face now texting a friend and saying who's a speech coach and saying I have to face this once and for all, like, I'm not willing to let my life be small, because the actions that I had taken because of that story, they just kept becoming more and more and more confining. And my life was more limited, and my potential was more limited. And I knew that and it just felt like this is out of date and old. And so I started working with her, I got a life coach, I got a anxiety coach, I had medicine from my doctor, should I need it, which I didn't end up using. And for six weeks, I mean, I just kind of, Went right into the eye of the storm and rewrote that story literally on a yellow legal pad with a felt tip Mm -hmm. pen. I rewrote what I wanted my experience of speaking to be when I stepped onto that stage in front of 800 people. And, you know, Elizabeth, honestly, the night before when I went to do a sound check, you know, you go when you speak like that, you go the day before and they check your microphone and make sure the slides are working and all that stuff. I had a panic attack on the way home. I mean, I just. I was sobbing, hyperventilating, but what was amazing, I woke up the next morning, I had a little, you know, flash of today's the day. And later that morning, I got up on the stage in front of 800 people and it was amazing. It played out exactly like the story that I had written. And that's because I changed my identity in that story. I changed my relationship to speaking and I took very different actions than I had ever taken in my life to get to the place where that was the reality. And that, uh, you know, that's what we want for our readers. We want you to have that experience. Maybe it won't be that dramatic. I hope for your sake it's not, <laughs> but that's what we want. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's
0: a powerful story. And I love how you were saying that like, yeah, I that your potential was limited by this, right? I yes. think so many people are saying, I mean, gosh, it might not be like you said, as big of a thing as speaking right. at an event, but it could be that like, you're so afraid to post a reel on Instagram because yeah. people might not like it. You know, right. things like that even holding you or back. raise your
1: prices. You know, yeah. like you've gotten to the place where now it's time, you know, let's say you're a photographer and you've got more business than you can handle yeah. and you're thinking, I should probably raise my prices, but what if everybody thinks that I'm, you know, arrogant or I've gotten yeah. too big for my britches or whatever, you know? And those that those are the stories that can keep us held back, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that. And you having that clear vision that you wrote down. Yes. Making such a big impact. In this episode, you've heard Megan and I talk about the full focus planner. Guys, it's awesome. I've used this quarterly planner on and off for years in my business, and I absolutely love it. Even as a digital calendar person, I really find this physical planner to be the perfect complement to the digital calendar to really help me nail down what I'm doing each day. If you want to check out the Full Focus Planner yourself, you can go to elizabethmcravy.com slash full dash focus to shop the planners through my affiliate link and get 10% off your first order. And in addition to that, if you're listening to this episode around when it airs, come over to my Instagram account where you can enter to win a copy of Megan's new book, Mind Your Mindset. It's really easy to enter. Just go to the post that looks like me and Megan's faces talking about this episode, and you can enter to win a free copy of this amazing book. That's at Elizabeth McCravey on Instagram and Elizabeth slash full dash focus. And both those links will be in the show notes as well. Now back to this incredible episode. I'm curious when you were going through that and like when you got to the point where you're like, I'm hiring people to help with this and I'm like taking this seriously, this is I'm going to overcome. Because you are someone who teaches other people, mm-hmm. were you thinking at the time, this might be something I write a book about or this might be no. something I teach on or talk about <laughs> on my podcast? You know, did you think no. that at all? Okay. Oh my
1: gosh. No, I was just trying to make it. Okay. You know, I, no, I never thought that because I mean, it really felt like a risk. I really didn't know. I thought either... I'm going to do this or I'm going to die trying, you know, that that's kind of how it felt. I would have never imagined that it would be such a profound moment in my life that it would, that would be something that would be the basis of a book. You know, I think that what's been beautiful. And I think this is part of what's important to remember about our stories is that there are going to be people in your lives on the, on the other side of you, uh, identifying your story, interrogating it, and then um, imagining something new and really living into that place—I promise you—you're going to meet people who are facing the same thing, and because of your story and because of what you are willing to confront—and and, and that doesn't—that sounds kind of negative. It could be just you know going to the next level, not even a bad thing, yeah. but just like how do you get a breakthrough to go to the next level? They will try things that they wouldn't have tried before. I've had so many people reach out to me. I've told this story now, you know, many times publicly and they say, you know, gosh, I, I've been terrified also public speaking my whole life. And I thought, well, if she could do it, I can do it, you know, and and all of a sudden it's like sometimes there are stories that are so entrenched for us that we can't actually imagine something better, you know, and I think that's where bringing other people in is we talk about this in Mind Your Mindset is so helpful whether that's a coach or a therapist or, you know, there's formal informal ways to do that. It helps your brain almost like borrow somebody else's more empowering story in a way that yeah. gives you the boost you need to get where you want to go.
0: Yeah. And vocalizing, like you were saying that no mm-hmm. one you except for your husband that you right. were so afraid of this. Yeah. being able yes. to tell that story and share it with someone is very impactful. Yes. So when you wrote on that legal pad, your story, Like I'm wanting to kind of visualize that. Was it literally like I am on stage and it is like, like, how are you like, what was the voice you were writing in?
1: Yes. I mean, I'm writing it in the present tense. Okay. Um. And like it's happening right there. So I'm, I'm living into that story. I'm talking about the preparation that I've done. I'm talking about how I'm feeling. I'm talking about what it feels like to connect with the audience and what's at stake with the audience. I'm talking mm-hmm. about I have a voice and I deserve to be seen because I think kind of a secondary story besides it's all, you know, all the danger stuff was that I wasn't worthy of taking up that space on the stage and having a message that was worth sharing, just kind of that imposter syndrome. And so that was really powerful for me. Now I will tell you, you know, as I'm coaching clients, it's not necessary to do that much. I mean, this was like two pages of writing that I did. It's not necessary to do that much. Really, it can just be a statement. It was just for me, this particular story was so powerful in my life that I, I needed to sketch out the whole scene so that I could let my brain practice living in that story because our brain actually doesn't know the difference between we really did it and we imagined doing it, which is partly why all those years that I had imagined what terrible things could happen on stage, you know, it's like they might as well have happened from my brain's perspective. And the neural pathway around speaking was dangerous, you know, is dangerous was cut so deeply that my brain just felt like that was reality. Like it might as well have been absolutely verifiably true that speaking would kill me.
0: Yeah, and I, I want you to like almost say that again. That our brain doesn't know the difference between yeah. what we say. That again, like well, our brain, so brain really huge. doesn't
1: know the difference between what we imagine and okay. kind of you know, live out. And this, this is true. This is why visualization can be very yeah. helpful, which is really part of what I was doing with this story. And it's also why when we catastrophize, it can feel so traumatic to us almost, you know, that um, it, it's like, we're creating a little movie scene and putting ourselves in our mind's eye as a character in that movie. And it's either great or not. And what, whichever one we, we pick it, it creates these neural pathways. Just think of it like um, if you were, you know, digging with an ice cream scoop and your your bucket of ice cream over and over in the same place, eventually you'd get to the bottom. And it's like, that's where the scoop is going to want to go right to that spot. And I think that's kind of how our brains work when we practice. What I mean is when we repetitively think things, we're creating Mm -hmm. these grooves in our brain, literally like observable grooves in our brain where our brain, because it likes certainty, it just wants to keep going down the same path. So the bad news is if you're not conscious of this, you're, you probably have some pretty unhelpful neural pathways and stories that are driving the actions you're taking, which is why you're not getting the results in whatever area of your life you know, you're know you not. The positive thing is you can actually train that narrator in your head by going through this process of identifying your story, interrogating your story, imagining a better story. You can actually create new neural pathways and make that narrator your ally, instead of feeling like, ah, this, this narrator in my head is my enemy. You know, it's actually, it can be not your enemy, but it has to be trained like, you know, a little puppy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm going to have to relisten everything you just said when we air this because I is so good. And it is like such a good reminder that like the story we're telling ourselves matters. um, It affects our success in huge ways. And I, I really do think like as business owners, um, even those of us like you're saying who are high achievers and we're focused and we have big goals, yep. um, and we know what we're working towards, it can be so easy to subconsciously even have these stories that we're telling ourselves that are affecting the way we show up, affecting the actions we take. Yeah. And, and ultimately the success of our business.
1: I think that's really true. And, you know, this is this is kind of like a hard reality. Um, but the quality of our lives in many ways is going to be determined by the quality of our stories. And if you think Mm -hmm. of somebody that you admire professionally and you think, gosh, that like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to get to the place where I can do that. Um, Besides just, you know, skill stuff and experience, the real difference between you and the person that you admire and want to, you know, kind of, aspire to that level with, the difference is their thinking. They think about their business, about their personal life, about success differently than you do. It's usually not talent that's the difference maker. It's not experience. It's really thinking and having the ability to master your own thinking that enables you to succeed in spectacular ways. I mean, I think sports is such a great example of this that oftentimes the best athletes are not, you know, the first uh, around NFL draft pick or something it sometimes it's that guy's the last guy that gets picked who turns out to be the biggest star because he was able to h- take a hold of his thinking uh, in a way that the other guys with more natural physical talent were unable to or chose not to.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I want to encourage people to definitely pick up the book. Um, before we keep going on book stuff though, and, yeah. and this whole conversation about mindset, can we pivot a little bit to team stuff? Sure. Um, so I know well I I have two questions on on the team stuff actually. Um, and within just full focus. So first, uh full focus is like the new ish name of your yes. company was yes. Michael Hyatt and Company. Yes. Um, what was the rebrand like, like the decision to do that and the process, like how that all that had come about? Well,
1: it was a lot of fun and it was really fascinating to see how it unfolded internally. So you're right. We have been Michael Hyatt and company. My dad, Michael Hyatt is the founder of the company. And we were very personality, um, oriented for many years. And as we move toward kind of our succession plan, so he is still, um, heavily involved in the business, but he doesn't have an operating role. So he's creating content. He's speaking on behalf of the company. And then of course we are co-authoring books together and, you know, coaching and so forth. And What we realized was we, as a part of the succession plan for me to become the CEO, we needed to move the business for the sake of longevity toward a less personality oriented brand. We really wanted to take the intellectual capital that we had built in our intellectual property and have that be the thing that we stood for, not Michael Hyatt as a person, you know? And so we've been moving in that direction. Um, And we also had several brands that we felt like We're standing alone in a way that in the market, we're a little confusing. So we had the full focus planner. Mm -hmm. We have our coaching program, business accelerator. Those are the two primary pieces. And over the years we've sold or um, kind of sunsetted a number of other things along the way. And so as we thought about this, um, our marketing team led by Courtney Baker, who's now our chief revenue officer, she came and did a presentation to me with her team, and they presented three different options. And the last one they presented was this idea of moving to full focus in a way for Michael Hyatt and company. And it was a pretty risky move on their part. Like that wasn't what I what any of us thought we were going to do. That wasn't what I had charged them to come and present to me. And so they were really bold in that they presented this at the end, and they they uh, presented such a compelling rationale for how this encapsulated everything that we did, how it set us up for the longevity of the brand in, you know, decades to come um, and and what the benefits of not being tied to my dad's name would be. And it was just like absolutely persuasive, you know, and they had worked with uh, our internal designer, external consultants on that to come up with all this. And, I think it was the hardest for my dad for about 24 hours. He wasn't in that meeting. Um, and so I I kind of like made a leadership mistake. You know, you shouldn't do this with your business partner. I just sent him the video of the meeting, not really thinking about the emotional impact. Cause like, I'm thinking about it just very business. You yeah. know, it's like literally his name, you know, like yeah. taking your name off the business is what we're suggesting. So it was kind of funny because, you know, he said I had to take a deep breath and, and, you know, for about 24 hours, my feelings were hurt for a second, but then he's, he really got to the place about 24 hours later of, this makes so much sense. And, and on the other side of that, I'm so proud of where we are, what this makes possible for the future. And I just think it's clearer to our audience who we are and what we provide. Because a lot of people who buy our full focus planner, they come in and have never heard of Michael Hyatt. You know, they bought it because yeah, they okay. saw it on a Facebook ad or something. And there's no, it, it was actually becoming a hurdle to get over when we were being introduced to new customers and new audience members.
0: Yeah. I love that for you guys. I do think it's a good move and a lot more yeah. clarity there. How, how many like months process was it from the moment you guys are like, yeah. were like, we're going to change the name to like, Hey, it actually is announced. Oh,
1: probably three or four months. I think. Okay. Yeah. Pretty fast. You know, nice. A lot. Yeah. A lot of that design work had already happened. So that was okay. easier. What was really a big part of it for us was going through what we call cascading communication. This is something we uh, have developed and practiced uh, for a long time. But it's the idea that when you do any kind of change management, like you've got some big announcement, you're rebranding, you have a new website, you're changing your services, or your pricing, you know, whatever that kind of stuff is, that you need to have a very thoughtful plan of how you roll this out um, sequentially mm-hmm. so that different groups of stakeholders that are kind of hierarchical, you know, it's like your business partner would be the closest stakeholder. And then after that, maybe you have some other employees, maybe you have a leadership team above them. And then you have certain you know, tiers of clients or external relationships, you have clients, you have vendors, things like that, industry peers, you know, you want to to roll out that information so that nobody feels like they got informed too late or somebody that was um, subordinate to them found out before them or it impacted them personally, and they didn't get a, the chance to ask questions. You, you just want to you want it to feel really professional and nobody gets surprised in a negative way along the way. Yeah. So it took that was the hardest part was just Rolling that out to each group of stakeholders very thoughtfully and intentionally um, along the way, and that that was probably at least a month long process.
0: Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because I know yeah. a lot of listeners have gone through name changes. It's funny yes. for me; I changed my name to my name after oh. a different name, so it's uh-huh. like I've I've done the literal reverse of that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I can see how. how Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, I also wanted to ask you about team experience and team culture. So Mm -hmm. I know you guys do such a good job of that, like I was saying, and you were named like one of the happiest workplaces by Inc. magazine two years in a row. So that's awesome. And you're like the leader of that as CEO. So I guess I'm I'm wondering for people listening with teams, which I myself have a team. And for a lot of us, it's more like, you know, contractors here sure. team team members or we're sure. all remote, which I know you guys do a lot of remote yeah, work now as well. We but what's your biggest tips for like creating an outstanding team culture? And yeah, happiness in the workplace?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a really good question. And I think that all of us have been faced with a pretty extraordinary challenge to our cultures over the last several years. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, because um, my favorite book on culture, by the way, is called The Culture Code. I I am obsessed with this book. I'm reading it for the second time right now. It's like in my top three business books. And one of the things that the author talks about is the need for felt safety, which Mm -hmm. seems like kind of a funny thing to talk about in the context of business. Like that feels like like a therapy idea, you know, Mm -hmm. not a business idea. But in reality, um, when you think about what does it take for a team to perform at a high level, like what kind of constitutes high performance? You're looking for things like ownership, Self-motivation, creativity, risk-taking, innovation—like those kinds of things—all of those presume a level of felt safety. Because if people feel worried, scared, uh, unsure of their security and their role, or you know, within their their place within the, in your organization, even if you just have one or two employees or contractors, you're not going to get them to access that part of their brain that is more creative because the, again, the brain is always going to go back to safety. Like if it doesn't feel safe, it's like, that's the only thing it can think about. Um, So I think this is fascinating because we've gone through this period where we've literally felt not safe, like physically with the pandemic. Then you've got all the, you know, mental illness, moving to remote work for many people. You've got people losing loved ones or, um, you know, just other, other kind of traumas and, and, I don't even mean like capital T trauma, but just mm-hmm. hard things happening. Then you've got economic uncertainty. You have the war in Ukraine, like all these things conspired, regardless of what's going on actually in your, in your company to make people feel unsettled. And I think as, as business owners and leaders, there's a real place right now for empathy for speaking to our teams in a way that helps them feel like they belong. So one of the things that the culture code talks about is belonging cues, which I think is so fascinating. So I'm thinking a lot about that. And then the second thing I would say is now more than ever, we've got to be clear about what is our vision? You know, what is the story of your company and where you're going and how can you help connect the data day-to-day work of your individual contributors, whether they're, 1099 or employees, how can you connect that back to some kind of a mission and a vision that's bigger than themselves? Because that's what part of what we know drives engagement besides belonging is people want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. You know, it's really rewarding. Yeah. Oh, I love
0: those. I'm going to check out that book too, that you mentioned culture code. That sounds,
1: I can visualize the
0: cover of it because I've seen it, but I've never read it. It's black with kind of like gold embossing on it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. To close, I would love for you to share, basically thinking about this book, um, which I'm like so excited to read. I started diving into it last week, but anyway, I'm really excited about it. Um, But with Mind Your Mindset, like what would you say the reader will get out of finishing the book? Like what is like the end goal of it?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say what you're going to get out of this book is access to a totally novel uh, lever of success you know, a brand new tool in your toolbox that for most of us is literally the most powerful tool that we have. You know, I think of all my leadership tools as a business owner, as a coach, as a a parent. I mean, honestly, I use this stuff with my kids all the time. And what you have the ability to do for yourself and other people is unlock places of potential or historic stuckness that is really keeping you or people that you care about, whether in your family or your team, um, from getting what they want and what you want. And I think it's so cool to realize we don't have to work harder. We just have to work smarter. And the way we work smarter, the best way to work smarter is to tap into the, the brain and what the brain can help you do once you understand how it works. So I think this is powerful yeah. stuff. Um, and it may be the thing that is, is going to unlock your future. Yeah, I love that. Working smarter, so far and harder with the brain. I love it. Yep.
0: Uh, okay, so tell everyone where they can go find you and connect with you yeah. uh, and get a copy of the book, all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, thank you. Well, um, you can find out more about the book at mindyourmindsetbook.com. And what's really cool right now is that we have some awesome bonuses when you buy the book and you can do that, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookseller, whatever. Sometimes Amazon has sales, so you might check there. Yeah. Um, but regardless, once you have your book, you just take your receipt to mindyourmindsetbook.com. And we have three things there. We have a brand new course that my dad and I just recorded with some great exercises that are not in the book that um, we walk you through to help you implement this stuff in your own life. We have a free audio book. So don't buy the audio book, you can go there and download it with your receipt code. And then we also have this self coacher tool that I mentioned earlier, that's kind of like this little form that you can work through these steps in detail. And it's really, like a fast and easy paint by numbers way to coach yourself through the steps that we talk about in the book and just get like one breakthrough after another. So yeah. find your I love that.
0: I love all the extra tools people get. Yeah, um, I'm excited to check those out. And it's cool yes. that you guys made a little course to go with it. Like, I know. I know. That's well, really you neat. know,
1: we want to make it super easy for people to get the transformation that we're promising yeah. in this book. And I think we've done a good job of getting some great bonuses that will, will make yeah. that possible. So yeah.
0: Well, awesome. Well, it was great connecting with you, Megan. Um, Thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast episode all the way until the end. I appreciate you being here. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I want to invite you to check out my website template shop too. Over on ElizabethMcCravey.com, you'll find show website templates that are easy to use, strategically designed, and created to help you book more clients and customers. Maybe your current website is really boring. Maybe it's a challenge to update, and maybe even it's that thing that you really feel like is just completely holding your business back. Your website needs to be strategically and intentionally designed in order for it to convert your viewers into raving customers. And that's exactly what my M shop templates do. So these are pre-made show it website templates where you can plug and play your content into it with ease and then get started with a website that's designed to actually help you make more money. These templates are designed to be SEO friendly on the back end. And they're not just pretty, but they are very strategic. And with all the strategies I teach on this podcast, and best of all, they're easy for you to set up all by yourself. So shop them at elizabethmccravey.com slash shop and come join the M shop family of hundreds of happy customers. And as an added perk, you can use the code BB podcast at checkout to get 10% off any template as a thank you for being a part of the podcast family. So that's a BB podcast for 10% off any template over at elizabethmccravey.com. And if you love this podcast, don't forget that you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts so that you never miss an episode and leave a rating and review for the show wherever you're listening. Share it with a friend, share it on Instagram or Facebook. That's a great way to support the podcast and get the word out. All right, I'll be back next week with another new episode.